1: you return that I might live in my father.
2: There is no other way for salvation. All we can do, think about this, is take the picture God puts in our hands, thank him for it. Why? Because it's a lot better than anything we had before. It is the way a person becomes a Christian and thus passes from death unto life.
0: Not all roads lead to salvation. In today's message from Pastor Mike, he teaches you contrary to what the world says. The world says that all roads lead to God. You can get to Him no matter which path you follow. However, Pastor Mike explains how this is not true. Jesus says that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through Him. So, there are not multiple roads to get you to salvation. There's only one, and His name is Jesus. Decide to make Him your Savior today. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 as he continues his message by grace alone.
2: If it's not of grace, you, there's no way that you're gonna be able to continue to, to sense the uh, having true fellowship and communion with God. And it's at that point many people kind of just you know slip out the back door of their Christianity. It's all of grace. Now that brings us to our second point this morning, and that is what is faith? Okay, so here's the question: How does salvation as great and free As this become mine personally and yours personally? Well, we're told, notice, let's go back to our text in verse 8. It happens through the operation of faith. Now, before we give you, we really talk about what what, uh, qualifies true faith, I want to clear up some of the common misconceptions, misunderstandings, address some of the substitutes, that people put in place for faith. And with that said, let me first of all tell you what this faith that's being recommended to us here is not. First of all, under this heading, it is not subjective feelings. That is, it's not a gut feeling. It's not some warm and fuzzy feeling. It is rather adhering, and if you're taking notes, write that word adhering, because that's, very, that's a very important word. It is rather adhering to what the Bible declares concerning Christ and his mission. And what does the Bible declare about Jesus? Well, that he is God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. You know, yesterday, uh, uh, the women had their annual Thanksgiving uh, fellowship. And it was really well attended. They had about 35 women that came out. And, and uh, I think that's some of the reason why it's a little sparser here uh, today than normally. I think some of the women figure that, well, you know, I put my weekend in uh, uh, yesterday. And there aren't, no, I don't know why they're not here. But uh, we usually have more people that are, maybe I shouldn't have said that, uh, <laughs> strike that from the, from the tape. But uh, you know how that goes. But uh, So anyway, so I was at home. And, uh, and guess what usually happens in the suburbs on Saturday mornings? Your doorbell rings, and guess who's at your door? Go ahead. The Jehovah Witnesses. Oh, I was ready for them though, man. I was ready for them. And, I just, and the funny thing about it is I happened to be uh, sitting with my Bible open and I was like tweaking this morning's message. And uh, so, man, I was really pre- I was all prayed up and prepared. Because actually, you know what, I took my wife's, she had all of this stuff for the turkey and all the trimmings, and so I carried it out to the car for her to bring to the, the fellowship for the women. And so as I uh, left my house with this big box of all of this stuff, I saw them work in the street. And they were walking up and down the street, and I was thinking to myself, oh, man, I hope they ring my bell. And sure enough, they rang my bell. But I was ready, man. And the first question that I had, I says, oh, hey, hey, how you guys doing? Right, you know? And I said, uh, uh, and the, the, the first thing they said to me was, uh, would you have some time? We would like to show you this 60-second video. And I says, oh. I said, uh, are you guys Jehovah Witnesses? And they said, yeah, we are. And I said, oh, wow. I says, uh, you know, can you tell me what you believe about Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? And, of course, they said they don't. And, uh, and so I says, you know, hold that thought right there. I went back into my house, grabbed my Bible, and, man, they got a Bible study. They, literally, they got a Bible study. And I, told, and I went through every verse that I could think of, you know, off the top of my head, that deals with the subject of how that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. And I went all through it. I got the guy's phone number. He's going to come back. He's going to, and, and I hope, I hope he comes back with his elders and, because that's usually what they do. They uh, will come back, but they're, they're going to come back with their, you know, with their arsenal, right? Yeah. Uh, that's usually the way they go about it. But I hope they do. And uh, so anyway, I got his phone number and I'm going to call him during the week and uh, hopefully I'll meet the meeting and hopefully invite him to come on out to our Sunday morning service uh, as well. But anyway, getting back to the point, uh, and that is, uh, what does the Bible declare concerning the person of Christ and his mission? Well, that he is God the Son, that he died for our sin and rose again according uh, to the Scriptures and acknowledging him as Lord of our life. That's what... That's what true faith. So it's not the subjective kind of feelings. It's not a gut feeling or a warm and fuzzy feeling, right? And then secondly, this faith that's being recommended to us here is not gullibility. That is the attitude of a person who will accept something as true apart from evidence simply because they earnestly wish it to be true. And I got to tell you something. I am absolutely amazed of what people accept in their systems of beliefs. It's crazy. You know, I think of, uh, you know, when I was on my quest to want to know God as a young man, I left the East Coast. I was raised here on the East Coast, went out to California in my pursuit of God. Really, that was the the thing that, uh, well, at least part of why I went out to the West Coast in my pursuit to want to know God. I knew that there was a, a God, but I didn't know him. And I didn't know how to, uh, to know him. And and, and so that whole uh, idea brought me out to the West Coast. And uh, it was there where I ran across all different kinds of religious groups and Eastern thought, mysticism, and I traveled a bunch of different corridors. And I thought that they would lead me to God, but time and time again, I came up empty. And uh, I remember... You know, studying uh, hatha yoga at the Hatha Yoga Yoga Institute uh, in Los Angeles, California, under Satchidananda, who was the, the guru back then, and uh, studied with those guys. And I couldn't believe, you know, reading the Bhagavad Gita. I don't know if you guys ever read that before. You know, back then it was kind of uh, stylish and hip. You know, back in the late '60s and early '70s, to be a part of that whole thing. You know, it's just a part of that hippie. Generation and stuff. And I just, you know, after reading it, uh, after a while, I said, you know, this is just a bunch of baloney, man. These people are, are you kidding me? You know, they actually believe these things. And I'm amazed at what people adhere to as a part of their belief systems. It's absolutely amazing. And so it's not gullibility, the attitude of a person who will accept something as true apart from evidence simply because they earnestly wish it to be true. And then also, this faith that's being recommended to us here is not optimism. That is, a positive mental attitude as a result of which they believed in is supposed to happen. What would that be called? That would be called positive thinking. It's none of those things. That's not biblical faith. All of these are distortions of the truth. Real faith is not based on a person's individual attitudes and feelings alone. Okay, so with that said, and that out of the way, and so in the context of these human definitions, faith then is unstable. But in the context of biblical teaching, faith is reliable. For it is faith in the trustworthy God who reveals himself reliably, in the word, and also by experience. So, okay, let's go forward now. What is this faith? We're saved by grace through the operation of faith. So what is this faith? Well, faith in the biblical sense has three components or three elements. And if you're taking notes, write this down. It's also going to be broadcast up here on the screen. First of all, it is knowledge. This knowledge is the gospel. That is what Paul is writing about here in this text of Scripture. True faith is secured through the knowledge of God's benevolence towards us, founded upon the truth of the freely given promise in Christ, both revealed to our minds and sealed upon our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's experiential, folks. It's not a leap into the dark. You know, some people would say, "Ah, eh, Christianity is just a leap into the dark." You got to be kidding me! No, you'll find this to be absolutely true. God will illuminate these truths that we read about in the Bible. You'll you'll know these things by experience, isn't that right? You know, given the opportunity to share your testimonies of the reliability of the Word of God, every one of you, if after walking with the wall, the Lord for a while, would be able to to stand and validate those promises that are recorded in the word. The second element of true faith is heart response. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Heart response. You see, faith is not mere intellectual assent to certain truths. It is also a response to such knowledge. What the mind has absorbed must be poured into the heart, must take root in our hearts, which serves as an invincible defense against temptation we know these things as a reality okay i mean you know within our hearts we know this to be true okay so let me give you this as an example there's an illustration uh uh, temptation comes along our way and uh and we have to make a choice right we use the capacity of choice we're free moral agents god has created us that way and we have to choose what are we going to do okay here's the pleasure that we know this temptation will bring us, because there's, I'm not going to lie to you, there's pleasure in sin, it's only for a season, okay? But that, then we need to contrast that in knowing that there's a blessing in serving the Lord and obeying God. And then we weigh the two. It's sort of like we're standing at a crossroads. Okay, who are we going to obey? Okay, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but then we're, we're, you know that whole thing is going to you know, come back on us and we're going to pay the consequences The soul, that sinner, shall surely die. If we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. But if we sow to the spirit, we're going to reap everlasting life, right? We know that within our hearts. We have that heart knowledge within us. And and it provides this, this, this wonderful defense against temptation. And then the final element is commitment. Write that down. Commitment. So the first element was what? Knowledge. The second element was heart response. The third element is commitment. That is, we're casting ourselves upon Christ. We're resting on his promises and accepting his finished work on our behalf. You know, we got to get to that place like Thomas did. Remember Thomas? Poor Thomas, doubting Thomas. What a handle to have. Could you imagine going through your entire life, doubting Jose? Could you imagine, Jose, wouldn't that be a bummer? It would be a real bummer. But, uh, you know, Thomas wasn't the kind of a guy who made choices and decisions, came to a place of commitment on secondhand knowledge. He had to experience things for himself. Remember the first time in the upper room when Jesus appeared to the disciples? And then all of a sudden, uh, after he departed, along comes Thomas. And so they're sharing with Thomas, oh, you missed it, Tom. The Lord was just here. Oh, really? Yeah? What have you guys been smoking? You know, kind of a thing. And, uh, and so right in the middle of the conversation, guess who shows up again? It's the Lord. And then Jesus uh, turns to Thomas, and he says, Thomas, come here. He says, uh, put your hand in my side, where they passed me through with the spear. And see my hands and my feet, where they, were dro- where they drove those nails, uh, that affixed me to the to the, to the the wooden cross, and the evidence was so overwhelming that Thomas responded, "My Lord and my god that 's where every, each and every one of us needs to get to and that 's a, it 's a kind of a commitment so when temptation, when sin, when we 're faced with that situation and we 're standing at the crossroads. We, we, we make that commitment to the Lord, my Lord and my God. I'm not going to go any other way. I'm not going to take any detour, you see. Commitment. So these things are the three elements of faith. Let me say them again for you. Let me broadcast them again. It's knowledge, right? It's heart response. And lastly, it is commitment. Now, that brings us to our third and our final point this morning, and that is not by works. That is, how, does, uh, how God does not save us? God does not save us by works. Notice what it says there in verse 9. Not of works, lest any should boast. Now this makes faith something other than a work. So the faith that's being recommended to us here is not a work. Not by faith, lest any man boast. For although faith is a channel by which the grace of God comes to us, it is not a deserving action or attitude on our part. Is it too hot in here? You want me to put the air conditioner on? There we go. How's that? That'll help you out a little bit. Okay? Okay, so let me, let me, let me say that one more time. This makes faith something other than a work. For although faith is a channel by which the grace of God comes to us, It is not a deserving action or attitude on our part. What does it say there in verse 8? And that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. So do you realize that the faith that you actually possess comes from God himself? It's a gift. And one of the reasons why is so that you don't go around boasting about it, like you conjured up this faith, like you had something to do with the faith that you possess. The truth of the matter is is that we do not contribute to our salvation even in so vital a matter as the faith by which Christ's work is received. Now, someone at this point might take exception to what I just said because the Bible tells us, wait a second, Pastor, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I must play some kind of a role in that whole process because I come to church, where I'm hearing the word of God, and if I didn't come to church, I wouldn't hear the word of God, and thus faith wouldn't be produced within me, right? So I must have something to do with this faith. No, no, no. Because listen, you know what? Here here are two people. Put them alongside of one another. One person hears the very same message that the other person is listening to. The one person is absorbing it like a sponge, and the other person is going right over their head and they get nothing out of it whatsoever. So what's the point? It is God who gives us the capacity to be able to receive of the word of God, to process the word of God. You see? If that wasn't true, then Paul wouldn't have told us, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Remember, in that prayer that he prayed for the people at Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, in verses 17 and 18, he says that the God... Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches. What is Paul praying for? He's praying that God would do this in the lives of the members of the church at Ephesus. And folks, let me tell you something if God didn't do that work, it wouldn't happen. Do you understand that? If you're receiving anything that's coming across this pulpit this morning, the only only way that you can explain it is by putting God behind it. You're processing it. You're becoming one with it, you see. It, It will help you, encourage you, in your walk in your relationship with the Lord. It's God who gives us the capacity to be able to process His Word. Think about it this way. If faith was a virtue, then we would be able to boast in heaven. You know, I'd be going around saying, yeah, you know, I, uh, you know I, I'm, God was so lucky to have me. I had, you know, I have this big faith. Pastor Mike, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, we would be boasting to other people how we got here. I'm here because of my faith in God. Right? I would be boasting because of my achievements. Listen, we would be there because of the grace of God plus faith. And then that would also mean that another person would not be there because in their case, their faith wasn't as great as was my faith or their faith was lacking. But nevertheless, they're still there, aren't they? Right? No, not even faith is a work. Okay, so here's the bottom line. Nothing you and I can do, however great or small, can secure our own salvation. Okay, so, let's wind this thing down. Let me ask you this question. Are you trusting in yourself, in this in your Christian relationship with God, in your Christian experience? Are you uh, trusting in your own self, in your own abilities, rather than simply trusting in Christ? Listen, there is no other way for salvation. All we can do, think about this, going back to that story now, is take the picture God puts in our hands, thank Him for it. Why? Because it's a lot better than anything we had before. It is the way a person becomes a Christian and thus passes from death unto life. You know, There's this uh, uh, stanza of this hymn, and I'll close with this. It's called The Rock of Ages. Probably some of you are familiar with it. And it expresses this sentiment quite well. And I quote, Nothing in my hands I bring. Oh, it'll be up here. There it is up there. Nothing in my hands I bring. This is the stanza, one of the stanzas of this uh, old hymn. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee.
1: In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house where I love to
0: be. Oh, my Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of In My Father's House as we study the book of Ephesians with Pastor Mike. It's no secret that people can sometimes be messy. So when you put all kinds of people into a church building, there's bound to be problems. For this reason, the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus to remind them to remain unified in Jesus. When Jesus remains at the center of your relationships, the body of Christ is so much sweeter. Take Paul's writings to heart and seek to live in unity with those around you. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike or to hear today's message again, just visit HarvestNYC.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way, you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us at Harvest Christian Fellowship. Find directions, service times, and more information on our website, HarvestNYC.org. Again, that's HarvestNYC.org. And if you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. We're so glad you were able to spend this past half hour with us. Join us again for more from this verse-by-verse study in the book of Ephesians next time, right here on In My Father's House.
1: Not be